guys, today's episode is not for the faint-hearted. I might be calling you to do some really tricky things in your life when it comes to being mindful about what it is you consume while you're building a small business. Now you might think this is just a food episode and I'm sorry my friend, you would be wrong. But this is more about consumption in terms of what do we allow into our space, into our bodies, into our minds, and are we being super protective of that little bubble in which we operate to put ourselves in the best position to be running the best businesses we can so we can use these businesses to create the lifestyle that we want. Like I know that sounds like a really long projection, but that's ultimately what I'm in this for and that's what I want you to be in this for too. We go into small business to create the lifestyle that we want. We want to operate from a place of passion every day so we're being lit up by the work it is that we do and then we want that to create flexibility and freedom to do the stuff outside the business we want to do spend time with our families look after ourselves contribute to our communities so to be in the right headspace and the right frame of mind to achieve that to be on that path in my opinion we need to be careful about what we can consume so that's what i'm covering off in this episode the three key areas that i want you to have a really hard look at and make sure you're optimizing to get yourself on rails to get your business on rails to then get the lifestyle on rails you ready because there's going to be some hard stuff here and it might be some tricky homework but i know you can do it let's jump in You're listening to Taking Back Joy, a more than marketing podcast. This is where we dive into how to market your regional and rural small business sustainably without being stuck to your screen. I'm your host, Meredith Page, and I was born and raised in a small town full of fantastic small businesses, and now I'm doing the same with my own family. I'm a marketing coach, a mum and a wife, and I want to share with you everything I've learned and I'm still learning about juggling a family, business growth, mental well-being and healthy boundaries. Here we market smarter, not harder, so we can take the busyness out of our businesses. If you're running a small business, raising small humans, and trying to make a big difference in a small town, you're in the right place. This is Taking Back Joy. Today's episode is another one of those that is inspired by a position I am grateful to be in, and it's a reflection on some of the things that I've managed to do right. And it's something that I'm now seeing that these are the idea of being careful of what we consume is something that I realize has now put me in a really strong position both mentally and in my business and it's something that I would love more small business owners to it's this position I would love more of you to enjoy so that's what we're covering off in today's episode is the things that I've I started doing not intentionally as a connected kind of concerted effort but I can kind of see now how they're all related to this idea of being mindful of what it is that I consume so it puts me again in a really good space mentally and as a business owner so the first one we're going to cover off is the obvious one it's food obviously when we think about consumption we think about what we eat so there are certain things that I do with my food and my family's diet I'm not positioning myself as a health expert or any kind of like food wellness expert all I'm speaking from is anecdotal experience there's certain things I do around food and there's certain foods that I do and don't eat that do have a profound effect on how effective I am as a business owner and this is something that I'm getting more and more passionate about is taking responsibility of what you do with your body um, so you can put it in the best position to serve you as a business owner. So we really need to take responsibility for what we eat and how it makes us feel. Um, so this is something that I started picking up on and fine-tuning after chasing a few like niggly kind of stomach complaints and things like that. I realized that 
the lot of there's a lot of food especially in the western diet that's just rubbish like frankly it's just rubbish and i think sometimes the way we eat is rubbish um but there's not we can't change you know rome wasn't built in a day so we need to identify things that make us feel flat um sort of uh, uncomfortable um, agitated food can actually trigger that so i've realized that i can't have coffee straight off the bat in the morning i can't really have caffeine straight off the bat in the morning um, although tea seems to sit okay so i started drinking smoothies um, that's the first thing i'll typically consume in the day and then i seem to be able to tolerate caffeine coffee better afterwards smoothies have been really good because it's a good way for me to cram a whole bunch of fruits and veggies in at once because i will not sit down and eat an apple they're boring so i have a smoothie um, and then I take a few extra multivitamins and stuff with it as well. So if you want to start on this idea of monitoring your food and what effect it's having on your mood, my recommendation would be to actually keep a food and mood diary. This is something that if you're chasing a food intolerance, your doctor may recommend you do. Um, but it's just really interesting to think about this for yourself anyway. So just jot down what it is that you're eating all day and then keep being mindful of your mood fluctuations. Um, after working with a naturopath, I also realized I was having what was called, an, I think she referred to it as an adrenal crash at about two o'clock because after doing this like mood and food diary, I said, look, I feel like I'm hitting like two o'clock and it feels like I've just run into a brick wall and I'm finding it really hard to be productive between say like two and four o'clock, but then by four o'clock I can jump straight back in. So she's helped me tweak my diet and a few other things to do with like my sleep, my exercise, things like that, that now mean that I can manage that two to four o'clock period more effectively and I can do things that make me feel better. Um, so that would be the one takeaway I would give you. If you if you want to sort of start thinking and being more mindful about what food you have to put yourself in the best headspace to perform the best in your business, try keeping a food and mood diary. Um, also planning. So I'm a systems and strategies nut. So this applies to a lot of areas of my life. So what I actually do is I map out what I'm going to eat and what my family is going to eat for dinner seven to ten days at a time because i can normally do a shop that i can stretch that long and also I, like i'm not i'm not a robot so we allow for like an easy night and we allow for a takeaway night where we'll get takeaway or we'll pull something out of the freezer that's like over like that's leftovers um, and then i'll plan my shopping list around this food plan so i'm only bringing the food i need into the house so this means there's very little in the way of snacks and crap because my husband and most people, my husband and I are grazers. So if there's like nice bickies or something, like Easter time is awful for us because I'm pretty sure we eat more of the kids' chocolate than they do. If it's lying around the house, we will eat it. So we just don't let it into the house. We don't, we have very little in the way of snacks and junk food in the house purely because my husband and I know that we will eat it. And because I work from home, because of the nature of my business, I am like prime real estate for letting my sort of snacking habits get away from me so being really mindful about what we eat and being really mindful of what we bring into the house has been really critical in me being responsible for and taking control of what i eat and what i consume food and drink wise also side note don't go shopping hungry i know that seems an obvious one but how many times have you rocked up to the shop shop and bought something you didn't want or need or made you feel like crap purely because you are hungry going through all the aisles hot tip even one of the smoothies. I'll need to take a smoothie on the way to the shop so I know I'm full going into the shops and I'm hydrated. So 
couple of tips for you around the food we consume as small business owners. Put yourself in the game in the best possible headspace, feeling the best possible way because your business demands a lot of you. You need to make sure you're looking after your body to support those demands. The second thing we're going to talk about as far as consumption goes is media. Now, I mean, this is social media or traditional media or legacy media like news and on the TV and stuff like that. I haven't actually had free-to-air TV in my house in five years. And in the last couple of years, I didn't realize how much of a blessing in disguise that was, especially with all like the angst and the, I'm just going to call it fear porn around COVID. Like I didn't realize how much of it I was missing until I remember one day sitting in the aquatic center with one of my kids um, after swimming lessons, we're sitting there having a snack. And they, as most like sort of community spaces, will have a TV in the corner. It was just on one of the Today shows. And I remember sitting there watching this show and it was an entire like 20 minute se- segment about um, COVID cases and fear and all the things we should be like doing and like whichever whichever way you stand on this whole COVID palaver, um, there's been a lot of like overhyped fear rather than, I remember, this is going to be a bit of a side note, but I grew up in the Blue Mountains, so Every summer it was bushfire season. Every summer we had to be prepared to leave because of a bushfire. Twice, I think two, twice or three times we were evacuated. Thankfully we never lost our house. But there was a particularly bad set of fires where I think every second or third house in our street did go up. We lost a cubby house. We were pretty lucky. But I remember from those years the idea of watch and act. And the way they trained us to think about that should very much have been the way that we handled should have handled COVID. In my humble web designer, I'm not a health expert opinion. The idea of watch and act in that... I remember growing up in the Blue Mountains, we always had a plastic tub near the front door that had all our birth certificates, um, medical records, photo like see, photos on CD. Um, all those kinds of things were in a tough snap lock tub next to the front door. So if we got a, oh, and like I think we all had like a change of clothes. So come fire season, we all had like a bag packed with a cup, like an overnight bag. We had them packed and then we went about our normal lives. We did everything we could to put ourselves in a position of safety so we could move if we needed to quickly. We had everything that was important ready to go. We had backup clothes. We did we did whatever maintenance we could to the house to put it in the best possible position. And then we went about our normal lives. And I feel like that is a really smart mindset to have because you prepare, you dot all the I's, you cross all the T's, but you don't let it dominate your day-to-day existence. And so back, so I noticed when I was sitting in this aquatic center with my son watching this TV, it was like a 20-minute segment about this element of COVID and how we should be petrified and frightened. And then it was another 20-minute segment of a different angle of the COVID pandemic and why we should be petrified and frightened. At no point did they talk about preventative measures, ways you can look after your health, things you can, like small changes you can make to people, like this watch and act mentality. That was never discussed. Here's some smart preventative measures you can make to put yourself in the right headspace to be prepared so you can then go about your normal life. It was 20 minutes of fear from this angle, 20 minutes of fear from this other angle. And then being a Today Show, they've always got sponsors. So then it was like, oh, here's a note from our sponsor. Here's why you should be afraid of getting old and here's a face cream. Oh, and here's another sponsor. You should be worried about dying and not having a will. So here's a life insurance sponsor. So it was just COVID fear, COVID fear, fear of aging, fear of dying. And I remember thinking, Jesus, has free to wear TV been this bad the whole time? 
So that was one of those light bulb moments for me where I was just like, I am so glad I'm not exposed to this every day. I would be a basket case. Like I would be just paralyzed with fear. But because I hadn't been consuming that kind of TV, and we need to be mindful too that even in the background, this stuff can seep in. So even if you're the sort of person that potters around the house and has the TV on the background, this stuff can still seep into you if you're not careful. So I would be very, very mindful about what it is you consume on TV. Now, I'm not saying I was totally immune from being afraid of COVID. Like 2020 in particular, I was very, very frightened of it, as I'm sure we all were, because we just didn't know a lot about it. Um, So the only time it did creep in, which was inevitable, was social media. And this was largely from a point in time this sort of reached terminal velocity for me when I felt like we'd reached a point in time where it was like every day we woke up and checked the government's Facebook page to see what we could do that day like I think once we reached that point I had just about had enough so you can actually head back to episode seven and episode one where I take a bit of a deeper dive into the benefits of keeping social media at arm's length but For me, I needed to take a break and sort of go, you know what, I'm going to take all the smart, safe measures I can, but then I'm going to go about my normal life until this directly affects me. Very similar to the Watch and Act for bushfires. I will make all the smart moves and then I'll go about my day-to-day life because it is not healthy to live in fear the entire time. So no, didn't happen. But back on the social media concept, what I will say from knowing the technical aspects of social media, what I would love a lot of people, business owners or otherwise, to know is this. Social media algorithms are designed to identify what will keep you on the app longer in order for them to show you more ads. If you are not paying for the app, you are the product. You are you are what is being bought and sold. Now they can categorize the content that you consume on on the apps by type and content using the file format, the keywords in the caption, the title, a few other factors, like the kind of page that posted it, things like that. And then it will show you similar content based on those categories. Like so if you spend 20 minutes watching cat videos, the algorithm's going to go, "Hmm, this person likes um content that is in a video format and is has a lot to do with cats i'm going to keep pushing these this content at them and suggesting this content based on what i know is already sitting on their screen for a long time now this is regardless of whether that content is healthy or helpful or even true imagine you had a personal trainer but for small business marketing, someone who knew where you wanted to take your business, really understood your values, your brand, why you're important to your customers and how you uniquely do what it is that you do. And then was there to hold you accountable, check in with you regularly and make sure you're putting everything in place to keep your small business marketing consistent and efficient without being stuck to your screen. Well, that's what marketing coaching with me looks like. I work with tons of small businesses, particularly in regional and rural areas, to put them in the driver's seat of their marketing so they can implement smart strategies and systems that allow them to bring in key staff members, VAs, or just run things on autopilot so they can keep marketing their business and seeing the benefits of all that effort without being stuck to their screen and spending time away from what really matters. If this sounds like the perfect way to level up your small business marketing while reducing the tech overwhelm and finally getting consistent online, head over to my website and book a free 20-minute chat today. I can't wait to meet you and find out more about your fantastic small business. 
Like, we can see Facebook does a bit of, like, a band-aid patch job where some posts will be taken down because, you know, they've been fact-checked. But really, that's an arbitrary box-checking exercise, in my opinion. The algorithm itself does not have a conscience. It will show you whatever it takes to keep you stuck to your screen. So, take responsibility, be mindful of this, monitor what you read, watch, and listen to. Um... Because we we need to be mindful of what we're allowing our brains to marinate in, basically. Another tip, which comes straight to you from my advanced English high school studies, check your resources. Like this was something I, people that are my age, so like mid thirties, we came went through high school right when Google the Google era was kicking off. So I'm sure you guys will all remember being told to check which website you're getting your um, your information from. So here's a couple of tips from that, and then things I've learnt since just to just give the put a website through the pub test before you trust what's on it so is it running sidebar ads is it got information that takes up maybe 30 40 to 50 percent of the screen and the rest of the screen is dedicated to ads running across the top ads running down the side if it is handle with care why because it's doing similarly doing to what the um, social media algorithms are doing in that it may be doing whatever it can to get you to land on that page so it can create ad revenue a lot of these sidebar ads um, the advertisers will get paid on like clicks on views so it will classify that you opening up that page and if that ad is present on that page it counts as a view the advertiser gets paid um, check the address bar. If it's a .com.au website, it's typically an Australian business. Now, then you need to have the think about what does this business stand for and what are they trying to get me do by, to do by putting this information in front of me. .com is normally overseas, typically America. Um, if it's .gov, it's a government website. .gov.au, it's an Australian government website. If it's .org, highly likely it's a charity or a not-for-profit or some other kind of non-commercial group. And again, .com.au, one of those that's based in Australia. Wikipedia, anyone can enter the, edit those entries. Take it with a grain of salt, run a mile. Um, now, I know I've strayed a bit far down the rabbit hole here, but when you're in business, you're trying to stay across what's going on in the wider world to see if it can, if you can anticipate if it's going to affect you, right? So, monitor where you actually get this information from. Who's offering it to you? Who's paying for it? What are their motivations? Okay? So, like, and I know, because I've caught myself doing this, don't just read the headline on a Facebook post, share, and then read the comments and think you've taken in the, the, the crux of the article. We need to be mindful of the concept of clickbait. Clickbait is a really outrageous headline that will get you to then consume the content contained therein. But it's about triggering the click to get the, the measurable action, which then, if it's a revenue-based thing, i.e. if it's a news site and they're trying to get you like a whatever the Australian major news networks are, they're, they're trying to get you to click that link to go to their website because then what it means is they can take those that number of clicks to people that want to advertise with them and go, look, our website gets X amount of clicks per month. You should advertise with us for this much. Now you're starting to see how the system works and how you are being used to justify the system, regardless of whether that information is healthy, helpful, or true. It's really important we understand how these uh, the technical space works on this on the, in this way because then we can see how we're being used for commercial gain, and we need to be more mindful of how we allow what we allow our ears, our eyes, our minds to consume. So then that brings me to one of the final sort of consumables I would really love more people, small business and otherwise, to be mindful of, and that is people, the people you consume. Now, there's a fantastic Brené Brown quote that says, don't take advice from people in the cheap seats. Now, as a small business owner, that hits you right between the eyes, right? 
Yet in small business, I see the people I keep in my company as something that I consume. And if these people are of a high enough caliber, then it's the best possible kind of consumption because these people should fill you up. So I consider myself very lucky in that I was a bit of a weird kid at school. I didn't really enjoy it at the time, I'll be honest. But looking back, I think that actually conditioned me to be okay with my own company. And if I disagree with what the group was doing, I was quite happy to abandon the group and go fly solo elsewhere. So I'm really happy being very choosy about who I spend time with and whose crap I will not tolerate. So this goes in hand in hand with also having a really strong set of ethics and values you're willing to stand for, which often permeate in our businesses. Now you might think you do, but if you drill down a little bit, um, like I do this a lot with my clients in our strategy sessions, you would actually find that you do have a very strong set of ethics and values and you may actually find that they're what made you start a business in the first place. So just food for thought there. So if someone is taking more than what they bring to your proverbial table and they don't sit well against your ethics and values, like, I'm sorry, but Salada, sweetheart, um, you don't deserve, you can't sit with us. And I don't, I don't mean to say this too lightly because sometimes this actually means keeping people who are very close to us, sometimes biologically close to us, out of sight, out of mind, or at least at arm's length. And I've had to do that personally to protect my mental well-being and to protect the what my family is exposed to so but we need to measure those who we spend time with against our own set of code like in code of ethics and values and if they don't pass muster with what we think is good and right and just we kind of need to just create a bit of distance and be mindful of what we listen to and what we absorb when we're near those people now i don't i don't want this to take I don't want you to think I mean that I want you to create an echo chamber of people around you who only agree with you because I've also seen that play out really close to me and that is downright dangerous. So this doesn't mean only having people in your space that agree with you. It's more about having them align with your ethics and values which are different to your opinions. So like think of it like this. I cannot stand gossip. Just it really gets my hackles up. And this is like the people who will trash talk others the minute they leave the room without ever considering their point of view or validating what they might be going through in their life. They will just, for lack of a better word, shit can them. Now, I'm the sort of person where if you wouldn't be comfortable airing your grievances with that person to find a resolution so you can move forward, sort your shit out or get over it, basically. Like, if you have that much of a problem with this person, you've just trash talked the minute they left the room, either talk it out with them or get over it or don't spend any time with them but don't continue to spend time with someone who you blatantly disrespect and then disrespect them when they're not there to defend them themselves one of my massive pet peeves so someone who does this in front of me pretty won't much won't see very much of me we won't hang out socially we won't be connected on social media don't invite me anywhere the answer is no i will not tolerate that kind of energy in my space for very long what this means and by having this very again i talk about non-negotiables a lot of like non-negotiables of the highest order we need to have them so the vast majority of people i fill my life with are those that encourage others they celebrate the success of others they're always working on themselves like these people are full of light so they light me up and if someone is down in the dumps moody gossipy and takes no responsibility for their own situation and what they can do to move their own needle well it's just not going to work out between us sorry not sorry like you need we need to think about it like this you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with so if you spend the most time with sad sack one and twos what does that make you 
Um, so the tip for this one would be have a really long, hard look at the people and the energy you allow into your life. And think about who really isn't deserving of your time and good company. You may not be able to turf these people altogether, but get really protective of your time. Now, I've covered this in previous episodes as well. Your time is one of the most precious non-renewable resources you have, so be careful who you share it with. Now, talking about high-caliber people, this is the big thing I would love you to walk away with, and this is specifically to my small business people because, again, this is something that I've started um, doing over the last couple of years, and I could not put a dollar figure on the value it's brought to my life, to my business, and this is the idea of thinking about getting a coach. So I've worked with a number of business coaches now um, who've directly contributed to huge spurts of growth, both for me and my business. A little side note here, if you're going to start moving into the coaching, looking at coaches space, all my co- all my coaches have had multiple coaches themselves and are always being actively coached. So in my opinion, we should never learn from someone who thinks they already have all the answers. Don't learn from someone who thinks their cup is full. I have multiple coaches and those people in turn have multiple coaches. I am moving in circles of people that are constantly on the path to self-development, self-improvement. So this idea of paying high quality people to come into your space and help you make radical change is mind-blowing because you're also not just learning off what they can see in your business. You're learning off everything they've helped implement in all their client businesses as well as their own business. Now, you still have to be prepared to do the work. This isn't about just throwing money at the problem and letting someone else take care of it. That's not self-development. That's abdication. Sometimes it's just the simple act of putting money on the table that kicks things up a notch. Like I know for me, I invested in one of the most expensive coaches I ever have this year, but oh my Lord, like with the value has been tenfold. Like again, couldn't put a dollar value on it, would do it again in a heartbeat. Really, really one of the best decisions I've ever made. Fantastic quality person who's brought so many other people into my space. So his circle of influence has affected my circle of influence. The connection I've the connections I've have have leveled up and grown. It's just been fantastic, really, really fantastic. And just the fact of getting someone with experienced insight on, like, whether it's your field, that you know they're not there up there in the cheap seats, that can help you fast track your growth and really accelerate your results. You've just if you bring the right energy to the table and be willing to learn, willing to work, willing to do the hard yards, and willing to set the goal and stick to it, these guys will guide you on the way. They'll throw everything they can in the kitchen sink at you to maximize your your um, return on investment. Like if you get the right person, man, it's just I, I'd never look back. I'm all, I've I've almost committed to always being actively paying for a business coach. So if coaching is specific to your business, marketing sounds right up your alley. That's actually part of what I do. So head over to my website, book a free 20-minute session, and we can chat about what's possible with your business. We can map out a game plan. Honest to, honest to goodness, love what I do. Working with small business people, getting inside their businesses, finding out why they do it, what they're passionate about, and then helping them weed out opportunities and come up with a game plan. I can't believe I get to do this for a job. Like hands down, I will be, I've just, I said that, I've said that in the last two like major strategy sessions with my clients. I'm like, I just can't believe I do this for a living. Like I just bloody love this stuff. Um, so I would love to work with you if that's something that you would like to do. I'm about to be opening the doors up soon officially and doing a bit of a launch on my marketing coaching. I don't actually have that many spots going. So if you want to jump on them early, head head over to my website, grab that free 20 minute session. We can get the ball rolling. But even if you're not quite ready for coaching yet, 
I would love for you to be getting more mindful about what it is that you consume. What do you put in your body that fills you up, fuels you, and makes you optimized for running your business? What are you allowing into your mind, into your eyes, into your ears? Who are you, what kind of media, what kind of sources are you getting your information from? And what are their motivations? Do do they want to fill you up and educate you or are they've they got different motives that don't align with what's best for you? And similarly, people, who are you letting into your space? What kind of energy are they bringing with them? And have they got your best interests at heart? Do they want to build you up or are you just surrounded by a bouquet of tall poppies, really? Think about it. And be ruthless. It's... <laughs> It, it one of those it's similar to setting boundaries and it's very closely related to setting boundaries it's going to be hard awkward and uncomfortable at first because socially we're engineered to be all engineered to be people pleasers like that seems to be the highest virtue these days is the idea to piss off as little people as possible even if it's to the detriment of your own values and beliefs your own values and beliefs are going to be with you for the long haul. People, A lot of people won't. And they're going to be the things that support you when things get tough, when you're tested, um, when you need to be, you're, you're the one getting yourself through the mud, you know. So get really conscious about the, the standard you set for what you allow into your life. And I would almost guarantee that you will... It it really will help you sort the wheat from the chaff. And you may just find yourself where I am now, where I just feel like I'm only surrounded by high-quality people, doing high-quality things, bringing good to the world. I'm just... I know that sounds really woo-woo and airy-fairy, but that's just because I've done the hard work. I've cut the crap. I've set the bar. I've sent people, not packing, but I've sort of said, "Mm, sorry, we're not going to hang out much longer. I don't really like, you know, I'm not vibing what you're putting out. And that's hard. But what that does is that attracts the right kind of people. And if you are confident about that, people will, the right people will be drawn to that. And you may find yourself in a few years' time surrounded by the best kinds of people that you've ever met. I really hope this is this is another one of those woo-woo headspace episode, guys, that I've also helped, also help, hope has given you some practical to-dos that can help you start leveling up what it is you consume in your small business. Thank you so much for consuming what I put out there. I really do appreciate it. And I do appreciate when people tell me that they love these podcasts because I pour so much love into them because I really do want the best for you guys. Small business people, in my mind, are some of the best quality people that there are. You guys will work the hardest. You probably pay the most tax. You're also typically raising families. You're coaching teams. You're running barbecues. You're sponsoring charity events. You don't have as much to give as a lot of people. Man, you give it in spades. Like You you guys often have so much left for yourselves because you've just poured into so many other cups. So if I can help you guys get ahead in life and run quicker, slicker businesses that give you more freedom, well, then I'm happy to do that for the rest of my life. So thank you guys for sharing the space with me and I'll see you. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Taking Back Joy. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Thanks guys. See you next time.